Before we jump into this episode, I have to tell you about something new I've been supplementing with to help us get over sickness as a family and support digestion, and that is high MGO Manuka honey from Manukora. Yes, I said honey. Manuka honey has antibacterial, antiviral, anti-inflammatory, and antioxidant properties. MGO is actually the organic compound responsible for Manuka honey's strong antibacterial properties. I've been wanting to experiment with high MGO honey for a while, not just like the honey you buy at the grocery store, but this actual supplemental high MGO honey. And I found Manicora, which produces this unbelievably rich and creamy ethical honey from New Zealand. It has the most amazing caramel taste and is specifically designed to support immunity and digestion. Manicora makes honey with a range of MGO. For example, if you get their honey with an MGO of 200, it's great for daily wellness support, whereas their MGO of 850, which is what I have, is great for immune and digestive support. When we were sick for two weeks straight over Christmas. My honey arrived halfway through and I immediately opened it up and like took a spoonful to stop my chronic cough. And this might sound weird, so bear with me, but I've actually used it on cuts and wounds and even put a little bit around my nose since it was so irritated from blowing my nose. And I woke up the next day and it had completely healed overnight. You can add this honey to your tea or coffee or eat it straight from the spoon like the kids and I do. In fact, I just gave it to my daughter from the spoon 20 minutes ago because she woke up with a super high fever. So there you go. Menucora's Super Honey is available in a range of easy-to-use formats, including squeeze bottles and compostable honey sticks. If you head to menucora.com forward slash well-fed, you'll automatically get a free pack of honey sticks with your order. That's a $15 value. Again, that's menucora, M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A.com forward slash well-fed. That will get you a free pack of honey sticks with your order. It's called Honey with Superpowers for a good reason. So get on it and try this delicious creamy caramel honey, and you won't look back. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women Podcast. This is episode number 412. I am your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. My website is coconutsandkettlebells.com, and there you'll find recipes and articles and the show notes for all the episodes of the podcast, including this episode, anything we mention. I will try to link to it if I remember. And today I'm here with my Co-host Stephanie Ruper, author of Sexy by Nature and founder of HealthToEmpower.com. Right now she's in the U.S., but she is currently uh, about to tomorrow fly back to France. So uh, we'll get to hear more about that today. Today, our topics will include our thoughts on how to figure out what is the perfect diet and the best way to eat for you, finding and cultivating friendships and relationships as adults and maybe working women and moms and people who are busy. It's hard. And the benefits of pets when it comes to your health, mood, and microbiome. Hi, Stephanie. Hey. Got a lot of fun stuff to discuss. I was actually really excited prepping for this episode because these are all, our community is amazing. You guys ask the best questions. And then it always sends me into a little bit of like you you hear about things like, oh, pets are good for your health. But then when you start to actually dive into the literature and learn more about it, it just becomes exciting. You know, it's exciting to learn more about things and to do some deep dives and realize, oh, those headlines didn't necessarily match the research, but there is something to like learn from this. So anyway, I'm excited. Okay. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Thank you. Better answer. So, Sorry, what was in my head was like, well, I'm always excited, but I didn't want to like one up you on oh, the excitement. True. So I just good. I froze. Great, okay. Stephanie. Great. No, you know, I don't we don't always have to sit and do deep dives for our questions. So this was a fun deep dive, I guess. But okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I um I agree. 
Yeah. Okay. So tell me about this is our um, episode after, you know, first episode back in person after the, uh, you know, the holidays and the new year and all that kind of stuff. So um, how has your experience been flying back and forth? I'm surprised you came back to the States. I'm really excited that you got to come back this year, Um, flying back and forth and just being home and all the things. Yeah. Well, so when I come home, I like to make it a longer chunk if I can. Normally I visit a few spots, but I've just been kind of burrowing in uh, with my family in Michigan, which has been really, really lovely because they're really, really lovely. I'm super, super lucky uh, for that. So I have been hanging out, uh, relaxing and working a ton on my own stuff. Uh, All of the things that I mentioned kind of being in the works, shifting in me personally and also professionally are continuing to happen. 2022 was a year of an absurd amount of change for the better for me, which is just like really a really wonderful thing to be able to say. Uh, And I feel so lucky and that rate of change is not slowing. And I'm looking at making like some new really big jumps again. And nothing has been decided for sure, but nobody's surprised to hear that I have like schemes, <laughs> like new schemes. schemes. I have new schemes. You know, I, I sometimes I reflect on the number of times you've had to change how you introduce me on this podcast. True, actually. <laughs> um, uh, she's not a Harvard researcher anymore. Um, <laughs> You're not in Boston. But you she did right now book a long time ago. Yeah. So um PhD, but getting maybe another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So hopefully, hopefully, um, in a few weeks' time, I'll be able to give you some concrete answers about how those decisions have played out. I know I'm being super vague, but some opportunities have come up, but none of the papers have been signed. And some things have become clear to me. None of those papers have been signed. Like nothing has been formalized. So I'm not going to make any big announcements, but change is a foot surprise and <laughs> I'm happy and better for it. And, you know, everybody's like, Steph, you're not, you're not an Insta. What are you doing? I don't see any stories. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm out there doing, not Instagramming. <laughs> <laughs> and not Instagramming. To, to which I intend to return so I can, participate in meaningful discourse, but all of which is to say, don't worry about me if you don't see me posting in stories. It's great. I wonder if, um, hmm. I wonder if there's like a phase that happens because you and I both entered the social media worlds when it started, right? We were sitting there while I was watching Facebook happen as a college student, just begging, just hoping and praying that it would come to my university. And it did, right? (laughs) We were like, oh my God. So it came to maybe like the decade period of being on Facebook where I was like, I am gone. Don't find this interesting anymore, which, you know, I'm not saying people who are there are any worse. I'm just saying I came to a point where I got bored and, or I just wanted to like be back in the normal world. Instagram, obviously, has grown and it used to be a lot of fun. It used to be more of sharing pictures. And then they started obviously doing the stories. I don't know, was that like three or four years ago where they finally started doing the stories? And um, that became super fun and interesting again too. But I do feel the same pull. Like it's it's big for me because I always, you know me, I always want to like be present and doing things and connecting. And I the last few weeks took a couple weeks off and I'm not super eager to like get back on Instagram. And I don't know, I do feel like it's gotten a little boring, but it feels like one big TV episode that is not made of a story. It's instead made up of commercials. And I just feel like I'm constantly watching commercials, whether it's somebody promoting themselves or their business advice or their business or their tips or this new product they're talking about. And um, it's gotten a little bit, I don't know, I don't want to say toxic, just like, I don't know if I want to engage as much anymore. And I do feel myself pulling away. So I'm like, is it because, is it the age we are or is it because of the time we've spent? And eventually you get to a place where you're like, I want to 
just be in my real life. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's I think it's all those things, and I think it's also the way these media have developed and illuminated for us who who we are, and yeah. also have developed in a way that have been specifically strategic to sell us things in the most efficient way possible. So, you know, there's all that tailored content. There's all the search page stuff, how they know how to hook you with the content that they know will outrage you or despair you or Mm. catapult you into self-loathing. Well, whatever's going to catch you, maybe it'll be good stuff. And then it's wonderful in some ways that it's been empowering to people to be able to promote their own stuff. Us, obviously, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. We participate, everybody participates, but like in real life, we're always curating how we look and how we present ourselves. But when you're on social media, you have to make intentional choices and then you take a snapshot and then you curate it. And then I think we've discussed before, even when you're intentionally not curating something, you're still curating it, right? You're still creating a presence. And so we just grow in heaviness of feeling like we're constantly being sold to because we are, right? Even if it's just people presenting themselves in a particular way. And we're, I think we're, we're tired of it, you know? And, and so at least that's my, that's my personal experience. Uh, And I'm looking for ways to stay connected digitally that are conducive you know, Debbie's health and flourishing and helps us be more present in our lives and alive in our lives instead of, you know, trapped in this matrix that wants our attention. So anyway. Yeah. Even like, you know, I have been on TikTok more, but I, not me, not me publishing, just engaging. And it's a lot of sensationalism. It's a lot of how can I make this super surprising and edgy and you know so it almost feels like the news where you're seeing constantly like Mm -hmm. what can we catch your attention with here's this bad story here's this bad video here's a video of this car accident here like and i know that that that's not there's there's kittens on tiktok and there's a lot of other you know funny stuff and there's there is good content there's comedy i like laugh i like i like that kind of stuff where you can see you can engage with maybe people or situations that you wouldn't be able to otherwise, but it does feel like what's the next big thing that we can throw at you. That's going to grab your attention. Yeah. This has taken me by surprise, but in the last few months I've actually gotten a, like more, I've always had a Twitter account, but I don't tweet, but I have started scrolling Twitter and that's actually what I enjoy now more because I'm just looking at people's discussions and it's usually because I watch something, whether it's a documentary or, um, you know, Bravo TV, whatever. And then I will search hashtags and see what the conversations are about that. And I actually really enjoy that because I'm like, oh, here's what community and people are saying. Um, And I don't have to engage with that conversation, but I can see it and it, you know, but I don't feel as sold to on Twitter. And I know I'm being sold to on Twitter too, but it does feel a little bit less so. Anyway. Yeah. um, Well... (laughs) (laughs) Well, so social media, I feel like we always end up talking about that somehow, but it is a huge part of our lives. And man, as a mother, I constantly am like, what am I going to, how am I going to help my children navigate this? And when am I going to introduce it, allow them to, to be introduced to it? There's a really good Facebook group. I think it's called wait until eight, Mm. Um, not a group. It's like a page and it's huge. And a lot of people follow it. And it's basically, um, has a lot of science and research and encouragement for helping parents wait until after the eighth grade to introduce a cell phone, to introduce social media or anything like that. Because prior to that, children's brains cannot handle it and you can do more damage than good, um, especially when we're talking about bullying and the pressures, all the, all the pressures that we just talked about to, to curate and present yourself and all that kind of stuff. So um, anyway, I always think about that stuff. So are you ready to jump into questions? Born ready. Okay, this one's going to be good. Question number one is from Lacey. She said, will we ever know the best, in quotations, way of eating slash diet? I feel like I have been on the search to figure out what works best for me for years. Lots of S's. I've done calorie counting, macros, keto, paleo, intermittent fasting, elimination diets, etc. I can't say I've found the answer. My weight yo-yos, and I don't feel incredibly... Um, incredible enough to stick with something. I wish someone would say, this is the best way, now do it. 
I know everyone is different, but how do I figure it out for myself? Currently in a major rut and every article and opinion can disprove the next. Has anyone found the secret? Blow it up. (laughs) Blow it up. (laughs) Has anybody? Yeah. So in order to sell something, it has to be discreetly packaged as a promise. And the simpler a promise is with the greater the solution, right? The the easier you're going to sell it. And this is why you get diets as formulations. You mentioned in your question, uh, you know, paleo, keto, counting this, intermittent fasting, that, what is the one right diet? Maybe everybody's different. I have to find like the right one for me. The inevitable truth is that we are all always ongoingly embedded in our specific situation and time happens. So for better or for worse, what's great for you will change. And what solves problems for you will change. Uh, Certain vitamin deficiencies may crop up, certain uh, different kinds of hormonal leanings and balances. You'll experience some stress. There'll be some cortisol. Your body's going to be like, what? You're going to have to deal with that. And different kinds of circumstances in your life will call for all sorts of different modifications. And also you can modify things just because you want to right? Noelle's a really big advocate of, well, I'm not going to eat the apple because that's not, I mean, maybe, you know, but if if I want a cookie, I'm going to, I can have a cookie and that's okay. And so long as you know that it's not going to give you some sort of digestive distress or whatever, go for it, right? So for me, you know, if I'm going to make any kind of recommendation to anybody about this, I would say, okay, where are you? Do you have insight from any of the diets that you've previously tried that you think could be helpful for your energy and your peace of mind and your feelings of wellness in this moment? If you want to fold your weight into that equation in some way, sure, but I would shuffle it way under everything else. It can be a piece of how you you shuffle under everything else. I'm mentioning it because you mentioned it in your question. And what, so what might you want to try or add from your prior experiences? For example, like, did you experience that you had some bloating when you ate dairy? Maybe right now the thing you want to do is cut that out and you could replace it with coconut yogurt or something, right? Dairy alternatives, if you want. See if that feels better. If it does, cool. And if it doesn't, bring it back in. Right. And then like, so this is kind of like an elimination diet style approach to continually just bringing things in and taking things out based on how they feel until you find out, end up with something that feels good for you. And it doesn't fit into any of the buckets of this diet or that diet, but it's like, well, I'm really into leafy greens right now. I've read that they're nutritious. Most people seem to agree that they're nutritious, you know, like you can, yeah. You can place you can place more confident bets on certain things, right? A rainbow of vegetables is on that list. The most naturally raised, organic, free, happy animal products are on that list, right? Things that are more of the earth. The less manufacturing that went into something is probably on the list. Like things that I feel more sure are not going to be disproved in some amount of time, right? And so. And then, you know, I I do my best to figure out what's good for me based on what I hear and read and scrutinize and implement and try and then do new things. Um, So I think of it as a kind of like a revolving door. And uh, and it depends on (laughs) the lobby into which it's revolving is like the shape of my life or my new living room or, you know, whatever. You can take the metaphor wherever you want. But. That's that's kind of how I think about it. And unfortunately, like it's not simple and it's not a rule and it's not this is how it is forever. But what you get in return is continually growing in your wisdom, in your awareness of yourself and how you work in a much in this like kind of in tune sense where down the line, like you 
the, the figuring out gets a little bit quicker. You know, you have a greater body of knowledge of potential things. Uh, and you just kind of keep moving forward with that. And then when changes happen, we can maybe see them as opportunities to be like, okay, cool. Let me see. Let me see what new thing I'm going to try in my diet or my lifestyle now. You know, maybe I'm going to try weightlifting in the morning. Maybe I'm going to try some cardio here or there, different exercises. Like try, (laughs) try and orient towards like, okay, I am where I am. And whatever happens next is going to, is going to be an opportunity for me to grow in my understanding of myself in the world. And it's, it's more complicated than the other options, but also, you know, um, enriching. If you are deep in the stress like so many of us are, one of the best ways to support your adrenals, hormones, and sleep is with adaptogens. I ditched caffeine over a year ago and now utilize adaptogen blends morning and night. It's been such a nice little hack for me, especially during seasons of sickness and stress, and I have a code for 20% off for you. Adaptogens are herbs or functional mushrooms that have been found to help your body manage stress and maintain balance. They essentially provide your body with the support it needs only when it needs it instead of forcing your body to produce cortisol, which is how caffeine works. Research shows adaptogens can balance cortisol, combat fatigue, enhance focus, ease depression and anxiety, and support proper hormone function. The best and easiest way to supplement with adaptogens is with Organifi Superfood Blends. Here's my tip. Some adaptogens are better in the morning and others are better at night, but it's important to experiment with timing to see what works for you. I like to take green juice, which has ashwagandha mid-morning when I'm stressed or dealing with sleep issues or sick, and I take cordyceps, which is in the red juice before podcasting for energy and focus. And right now I drink gold Every single night before bed, it's my nightcap with reishi in it. I just mix it with water and it helps me relax and go to sleep. Support your body, energy, immunity, and stress with Organifi. Organifi takes pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. And I've tried a lot of stuff. Organifi definitely tastes the best. They contain clinical doses of adaptogens so you actually feel the difference. Go to Organifi.com forward slash wellfed and use code wellfed for 20% off your entire order. Again, that's Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash wellfed. Use the code wellfed for 20% off. Yeah, I think the fundamental... um misconception is that there is some sort of secret or there is some best way of eating. And when we, like you said, when we're able to let go of that idea, then we give ourselves the freedom to figure out what works for us, but also shift and take the feedback and shift and move forward in a new way if that doesn't work for us. So I think the best thing for you, Lacey, would just to say be to say, okay, there is no best way or there's no secret way. And actually what works for me or secret, you know, trick, but what works for me now may not even work in the future because your body is fluid. It's changing the, your, the stress you deal with on a daily basis changes or seasonally changes. Um, you know, if you're a, a mom, you're, the seasons of motherhood change quite rapidly, your caloric needs are going to change, your maybe your carbohydrate needs are going to change. And even, you know, as women, we have a very specific monthly-ish clock that rotates our menstrual cycle. We Our, our needs change monthly as opposed to men who they have a 24-hour clock. And We also do this thing called puberty and then perimenopause and menopause and what you're going to need then changes too. So if you want to, the only thing that's constant is change, right? And I, for me personally, I can give you maybe some insight into what I do for myself and what I've settled on. You know, we are big advocates here of not getting caught up in diet culture and you need to be on a diet and you always need to be losing weight and counting calories and all those things. But Steph and I have been very clear that we also agree that there are some very specific truths about food and nutrients and nutrient density and all those things that I think we should be taking into account, especially when we're making decisions about our body and what it needs and disease prevention and all of those things. So I think I take into account a number of different things. One is 
how has food changed over the years? There's we have very clear evidence that disease has skyrocketed um, and chronic disease has skyrocketed and all those things. So what's at play? A lot of things. And one of those things is, you know, the types of food and and just the overall how we have shifted as a culture and as a nation, but also as a world, how we've produced food in general. So one of the things that I look at is like or one of the things I take into consideration How was food made, cultivated, raised when we're talking about, you know, animal products? How how was all that stuff cultivated back in the day, maybe hundreds of years ago versus now? Has there been a big change? Yes. And so that's why we're we're big advocates here, too. And there's science and literature that shows grass fed meats and pasture raised eggs and all that stuff are more nutrient dense, have more fat soluble vitamins. We know fat fat soluble vitamins are so important for detoxification and B12 and all those things. Right. We're not going to go into it here. but really important for a body operating optimally, not just from a perspective of, you know, having good digestion, having the nutrients we need to function, but also supporting our body through proper detoxification and all that kind of stuff. Um, And, you know, supporting a healthy gut microbiome. So food, food quality, how food has changed and what we know about nutrient density and all that kind of stuff. I absolutely take that into account. And then what we talk about or what Steph and I did talk about in our book, which I don't think, I don't think we'd have that different of opinion currently. I think it's about the same, which is experiment with changing your macronutrients according to what feels best for you, but also maybe what state you are in and also what are your current health conditions. So you may want to try to eat more carbohydrate in the scenario of you're active, you're an active mom of maybe not even an active mom, just a mom trying to take care of small kids. Um, Maybe you are, you know, you have an active job. You're probably going to need, maybe you're, you know, trying to get pregnant, higher carbohydrate, experiment with that. See if that works for you. See how you feel. Certain situations like insulin resistance or whatever, um, you know, you have certain health conditions you want to work on, which we've listed in the book. It's, hey, this now might be time for you to try a high fat diet or, or you know, higher fat ish, um, not eliminating carbs completely, but having more fat in your diet as opposed to carbohydrate and just changing that ratio a bit. So I think what you build the foundation of here's what we know about food and all the things and how it works in our body and the way you feel when you eat certain foods versus not. And um, then you can kind of move forward with experimenting with macronutrients. And also the very last but important piece is your mental health. So how I kind of move through the world now is, you know, what's going to make me feel well physically? What am I eating that I know that's going to support my health and detoxification and digestion and gut microbiome overall? But and then what's going to help me, what helps me feel well physically, but also what nourishes me mentally. And that's the most hard, hard and confusing piece to describe because people are like, what what the heck are you talking about? Right. What do what, how is food going to help me mentally? And I mean, listen to the last 400 episodes. But if you're constantly restricting and constantly trying, you know, we all live with diet culture in our head. I do. Stephanie does. All of us do. We grew up in it. So it's constantly in our head. And I did what Stephanie's talking about the apple was I did a reel, which was like, we second guess our decisions all day as millennial women. Um, we second guess our decisions all the time. We're like, hey, uh, kind of hungry. I'd like I'd like some chocolate, man, I could really go for some chocolate. And what's usually a lot of us, our first reaction mentally is like, are you really hungry, though? Like, maybe you should have some water. Like, or maybe you try an apple. You should just eat an apple. And that's like, well, I don't want an apple. Well, then you're not really hungry. Like, how many times have we heard that, right? How many times have you been told, if you don't want an apple, you're not really hungry? No, I just don't want an apple. So it's like we're constantly kind of dealing with this back and forth in our head of, are we making the right decisions? And is this going to help us? And is this healthy? And am I going to gain weight if I eat this? And so... I have certain things that I do, like siete potato chips um, that I eat for my lunch with lunch or dark chocolate. I have dark chocolate in the afternoon every day. So sort of like my pick me up with kombucha. And that is what I enjoy. And it mentally like it's a pick me up for me. It's what I love. And I I engage with that those foods because they mentally, you know, they're enjoyable. Okay, (laughs) say it. I like to be enjoy my food. 
And so much so that when Trader Joe's didn't have this chocolate that I love, it's like dark chocolate, there's no soy in it. And it's, you know, it's just so smooth. It's just perfect. They were out of that. And then we ran out of, I think we ran out of, um, Siete didn't have the potato chips that I like, and um, which is Fuego. It's like the hot, spicy ones. And I told Ken, like, after two days of it, I'm like, I'm just sad. Like, I don't, he's like, really? Because of potato chips and chocolate? I'm like, yes. Like, I don't have the things that I love that I look, that like kind of set my give me like excitement or just, you know, or just my routine things that bring me little, my little joys throughout the day. So luckily Siete came back with the chips and all the things we got the chocolate, but um, you know, that's what I also take into context. So that's maybe a long way of saying it's just not, it's very individual and you have to kind of figure out what works for you and there is no secret and that's okay. I think we just kind of have to be okay with that. People can be, you know, we know that that women who are in their hundred, you know, hundred years old did not really eat all that healthy, but they were, you know, less stressed and happy and they had joy. And so some points we have to let go of the fact that the food that food controls, you know, we're we're somehow just totally in control of our health if we control our food, because that is not reality either. So anything yeah. to add? Breach. No. Okay. Question number two is from Sarah. She said, kind of a random topic, but any thoughts on how to build more community girlfriend support, uh, girlfriend, community such girlfriend support system as a stay-at-home mom? One of my New Year's resolutions is to expand my friendships, relationships, sense of community, but I'm having a hard time knowing how to do that as a full-time stay-at-home mom. We live in a canyon community that is fairly secluded. People move here to get away from people, so our neighbors aren't exactly friendly. It's an older community, and our church is much older as well. And in a different phase of life than I'm in. I'm part of a book club that I love. We meet once a month and my husband and I try and get out on the weekends with friends. But on a day to day, I feel pretty isolated. I'm kind of at a loss as to how to fix this in the phase of life. I'm in with young kids. Any thoughts? And Stephanie, I know that you travel about and you do a lot of things and you somehow seem to, well, I know it's really, in, you're very intentional with trying to make sure that you get out and you get community. And I, you introduced me to a brand new thing. I watched your story on Thanksgiving and you said that you think it was like friend Bumble or something. Bumble BFF, yeah. Bumble BFF. I didn't know that was a thing. So talk to me about kind of your strategy. And I want to know more about that app too. And then how was Thanksgiving? Because I don't think I got to talk to you about that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you more about that later. But um, <laughs> um, the Thanksgiving was it was super lovely. It was wonderful. Um, actually, there were about 10 people there and half of them were Bumble BFF connections, which was really cool. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I will say I've I've moved a lot and it is quite isolating and, and lonely. And my, my life in France is that's a big challenge. Um, that has been a big challenge and it takes time and it gets easier. Um, I would recommend first and foremost, kind of being thinking intentionally about the kinds of uh, friends or friendship patterns that you like. Um, if you're quite introverted and you want a couple of besties, like two, <laughs> you know, like th think about that. If you're a little bit more extroverted and you need like a big circle, just know that going into things, uh, maybe identifying people at church that you want to connect with. You know, I enter a community, I have a gut feeling about somebody and then I act on it. I'm like, hey, do you mm -hmm. want to get coffee? And if it goes great, then it's it's kind of natural. Like the desire to follow it happens. I, I, I see friend dating, like I do romantic dating, right? If you've got that click, like, okay, we can make, we can do this. I always tell people, <laughs> I say, we're on the friendship train. That's why I say we're on the friendship train. Like, let's go. Cause this is a journey and we just met, but let's get on the friendship train and see where we can go. That's my, <laughs> that's my metaphor. That's how I think about my head. Um, and as I'm, I'm not a stay at home mom, but um, <laughs> I, I, um, I do, I do know, I do know a lot. I do know people who are very busy and I've witnessed a lot of friendship styles and I participated in a lot. Most of my friendships are very long distance, very long distance, yeah. time zone, complicating long distance. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
my personal come around on the way to conduct friendships is consistent small interactions, actually. If you go a long time without talking to people, it then becomes like an act of emotional labor to reconnect. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of put it off. Yes. And, and whether that's writing an email or making a phone call, because a phone call is going to be 90 minutes, right? And you're like, when am I going to make the time that I'm talking to someone in 90 minutes? But if you identify, if you're an introvert, for example, and you connect with a couple people and they become like your people and they need to be people who are looking for people too. It's the same thing again as romantic dating. And Or say you're extroverted and you create all these like few people and then you're throwing lunch together for your kids in the morning and you get them on your Bluetooth and you're like, I just heard this thing about blueberries on the news and isn't that nuts? And you hang up in like 90 seconds, right? Like to use that number again, right? And so- or I, I find sending people memes like a great way to stay connected. You just, it's, it takes half a second, yeah. shows a thought, makes them laugh. We get each other continuing about my day. Quick call here, quick call there, continuing about my day. And then uh, meeting up in person is awesome. You know, if you can find people around you, convenience is actually a huge factor in friendship and dating and everything. You know, you know that's why it's harder to to make friends as, as a stay-at-home mom or anything because it's it's not convenient, right? And people right. always make friends when they just bump up against each other naturally, right? And so finding people who are nearby, who like to go for walks, who go to the same this, who go to the same that, cool. Bumble BFF is the, you got to sign up for Bumble, uh, the app, which is most known for romantic dating, uh, but you can click the BFF option and you make a different profile for the BFF option. Just, and then when you make friends with your with your Bumble friend, you know, as I, as a single person, then we always talk about regular Bumble and we contrast our profiles. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, and and I know a lot of people who have met really awesome people on Bumble BFF. And I also have well have as well, and then you can create nodes because everybody who's on Bumble BFF is looking. So then you get this network of, of people who are kind of into the same thing in the same stage of life, looking, looking for the same thing. So, um, yeah, that's, that's one aspect of how I try to land in new places. I really do think that tapping into communities of shared interest and meaning and value and purpose, like churches is huge, mm-hmm. maybe a small group, maybe a whatever your church has to offer, maybe a small thing for people of certain ages, you know, kids group, parents go and kids do things, mm-hmm. parents do mm-hmm. things, all that, kind, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, because obviously hanging out with people who share your values and interests is the stuff that, <laughs> that feels the most good. So just focus, right. you know, focus on the stuff that's really enriching for you and feels, I would, one of the hugest compasses I use in my life no, it's the, it's basically the only compass. <laughs> like I try to follow things that feel like joy, which is like celebration grounded in like concrete, real things. And so that means just list, just that's what I listen to when I'm trying to build relationships and, and all the, all that kind of stuff. Um, so anyway, those are some thoughts. I love your thoughts. Thank you. I really do. Um, okay. So like what else do I have to add here? I guess there, you know, there's an interesting stage that of motherhood. And that's when you have babies and then you're kind of on your own until they start going to school. So, um, and I Sarah, I think this is kind of the stage that you're in. And you're right, it is pretty lonely. It can be isolating. What I tried to do, pro- here's what I do, and then here's what works, but I don't do. Um, one of the things that I have just found so wonderful, right after I had Stella, there was an app, and I don't use it anymore, but it was like a video chatting app, and you could show up and talk about a few things via video, and I think it was called Marco Polo. You could show up, do a video chat, and then the other person could show up and do a video chat whenever they were ready just to talk back. And even though maybe I didn't have a ton to say or maybe it was short, you know, just a couple minute interactions, I loved being able to sit and hear my friend talk. Um, And I have a couple close friends. One of them's a a friend that I've known since I was four and her and I just it's like 
we get back together and it's like, we never left. Um, I just saw her over the holiday, which was just so wonderful. We sat for like three hours and just talked, but we keep in touch in this way. We actually keep in touch on the Voxer app now because I am a, apparently I, uh, anytime you're my friend, I'm like, why don't you get on Voxer? (laughs) Even friends in person, because I feel like it's a very easy way to, um, just have a few chats about things, whether it's like, hey, what do you think about this? Or, hey, you know, my kid, they have this like pink eye thing going on. What did you do for that? So I, whether it's like, how are you doing? Tell me about your day. Or like, hey, I've got this pink eye thing situation. What did you do? How did you treat it? I have my, you know, three to four mom friends that I have gotten on Voxer that I'm chatting to on a weekly basis. And then if we're going to do something like a New Year's Eve party or whatever, I'm like, hey, let's have, let's come over so we can hang out more and have more in depth, you know, connection and and stuff like that. So I feel, and now um, Apple actually does it where you can do a voice message and it doesn't have to be a minute and you can just tap the button and talk. And so I actually do that now too um, for people who I just want to have a conversation with. But I tell you, it's really helped me. It's helped me stay connected with people. Um, just like Steph said, you know, you do, you kind of feel this to get on the phone. I, no, I've never been a phone person, but it's not going to happen. Like we'll just text, do short texts back and forth. And text is limited. If you send me a three paragraph text, I'm going to be like, I'm gone. My, I'm check. my brain has checked out from that. So being able to just quickly tap a button and talk is so helpful and try to get your in real life friends on it. And also your far away friends on it so that you can continue to just have those short interactions like you would, you know, in high school. And I, I think back to those years and I'm like, gosh, and studies have shown that as we get older, we spend less and less time with people. Um, you know, from the day we're born, basically we're on this track of you spend less and less time with others, with friends. <laughs> the only thing that <laughs> increases in the time spent is with your spouse. So it's like time spent with spouse goes up, everything else goes down, even with your own kids, right? So it's like we have a ton of time spending with our kids and then that drastically decreases friendships, everything. So being able to have these like voice chat conversations can be so, so helpful. Um, Just keeping that day to day. There's a lot of, um, here's what didn't work for me. Church absolutely has worked. Um, And I will say you have to, you have to be willing to put yourself out there. You have to be willing to one, go to church two maybe try a new church or try a new whatever. But if I see somebody, it's hard. I, you know, I'm an extroverted person, but I'm not, I'm not a person who's just going to walk up to somebody and be like, hi, I'm Noelle. Who are you? Like, not going to happen. I'm, I'm a little bit more to myself. And, um, but there in two situations, this has really worked well for me. One, I found a, a really cute friend that I just, I love her to pieces, but she had a daughter that was in Stella's class and they were dressed very similarly. And I was like, like you said, Steph, I had a feeling. So I like, I had to push myself. It was so awkward because I was kind of new. And I was like, I was like, hey, Stella's in your daughter's class. Like, you know, it was like really awkward, but I had to do it. And um, we became great friends. And it happened a second time where I saw somebody walk in and this time she was the new person. And it's still very awkward for me. But I was like, hey, you know, like, where are you from? Tell me about yourself. And so like we connected instantly and now we're good in real life friends. But you have to be willing to put yourself out there and then also do the awkward dance of like, hi, um, which is just so weird because it's just not what you do as adults usually, as stay, especially as moms or just, you know, whatever. Um, what has not worked for me, but I know works for a lot of people is, you know, there are a lot of moms day out groups. and. Um, moms of preschoolers groups and stuff like that. I went to a few of those and that people are so nice and so connecting. It's MOP, so M-O-P-S, and they're everywhere. And I tried to go to that and it just wasn't my thing. Um, But, you know, it was, I made a few quick friendships there. um, And I know that, you know, getting your kids, and this is kind of the stage where I would like to move into and I need to be more intentional, which is when your kids start to do sports, they start to do swimming, they start to do, you know, my daughter's in gymnastics. um, Put yourself out there. When you see other mothers or other women or other men, whoever, you know, because my daughter, my, my husband takes my daughter to gymnastics. I'm always like, who's she talking to? And then I'm like, well, are that little girl's parents there? Because my I send my husband on missions because he's the one that's outgoing. So I'm always like, you should go talk to them. Um, and it works. So he connected. We're meeting for the first time with one of her 
her friends from gymnastics, really, so that I can try to get to know her mom. But Ken was the one that set that up. He's like, yeah, yeah, I talked to Molly's mom. And, he, you know, we're going to try Like, I I got her, <laughs> her phone number and here it is. And you can text her. So anyway, you know, you do have to put yourself out there in those situations. And even in school, it's hard. Your kid starts kindergarten or whatever for the first time. And you're a brand new parent. And it's overwhelming. And it does seem like everybody else knows each other. Um, you kind of have to put yourself out there. You have to volunteer a little bit. You have to do the lunch thing, the lunch monitor thing, and which I did and I didn't want to do, but it was good. I got to know all the little kids and I got to know my my daughter's teacher more um, mystery reader things or, you know, whatever they have at school. You just have to put yourself out there and it's not comfortable and it is a little bit of an inconvenience, but it does actually work out in your favor when it comes to just connection and community. And it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a best friend. Maybe it's a, a tier two or tier three or tier four friend of yours, right? Um, but it's an acquaintance and it's somebody who can be there to support you in different scenarios. So if there's one piece of advice I can pass along to you in 2023, it's that the basics still work. Supporting your body with bioavailable nutrients, movement, sunshine, and sleep will do more for you than any biohack. And one of the basic things I do on a daily basis is supplement with minerals, specifically magnesium. The truth of the matter is most people are deficient in magnesium, and it is so important for our physiology. It plays a role in detoxification, digestion, energy production, stress management, and even our heart rhythm. If you have experienced chronic stress or sleep issues, which often go hand in hand, one of the common downward effects is magnesium deficiency. Magnesium increases GABA, which encourages relaxation on a cellular level and is critical for sleep. And because stress depletes magnesium, it's no wonder why people struggle with sleep when stressed, including myself. Stress and not sleeping means you need more magnesium. I personally take a compound magnesium supplement every night before bed, specifically Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It has seven unique forms, and getting a variety will help you experience its calming and sleep-enhancing effects. The recommended dose is two capsules before bed, but you can definitely adjust and tinker with that depending on your own personal needs and stress. For our exclusive offer, go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash wellfed10. In addition to a 10% discount, you can use the promo code wellfed10 to get a special gift with purchase for a limited time only. Bioptimizer's customer service is outstanding. I've had a number of you reach out and talk about how helpful they are. And they will refund you, no questions asked, if something doesn't work for you, which I really love about them. Again, that's Mag Breakthrough, so M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com forward slash WellFed and use the code WellFed10 to get a special gift with purchase. Yeah, that's really cool. And the, the more you do it, the easier it gets. Yeah. You know, the the whole it's so funny. I'm the exact opposite from you. I'm so introverted, but people always think I'm super extroverted because I'll, you know, I have a stick. I stumble over and I'm like coffee, you know, you, <laughs> you know, and, and people are like, oh, wow, you really need coffee. I'm like, well, I'm going to act like it because it's going to give me a reason to talk to you. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And it just and, and the more you do it, the more you realize that people are really grateful. Like everybody's always yes. really grateful. They're like, yeah, I want to connect with more humans, too. Like we're yes. all walking around wanting to connect with more humans. So, you know, go ahead and be that like fuzzy, bumbly little light. You know, people mm-hmm. people don't people don't want to see you like as a towering idol of perfection. Like that's yeah. not people want people that they can relate to. And those happen to be ones that are kind of just real. You know, I I think I've talked before that I've, I tried so hard to like present a certain demeanor for such a long time. And then I read a study where people, uh, they rated like how much they liked somebody that they met. And then when the super together person spilled coffee on their shirt, they ended up rating, liking them more. Right. So showing your humanity to people is the way in kind of not to gamify it, you know, but, but, but that's, that's how we connect. Yeah, totally. I love it. All right. Last question is from Jody. She says benefits of pets. I just got a new puppy and I love her so much. We also have cats picks for attention, which she sends a little picture in our Facebook group. And she said, and her name is Stella, which is so cute. (laughs) Do you, is Kitty still around Steph? Kitty's still around. Oh yeah. my gosh. Kitty's um 
Kitty's old enough to vote. <laughs> Kitty. My cigarettes or whatever it is you can do when you turn 18. <laughs> um, That's incredible. Yeah, um, I, I think 18-ish. Yeah, so she's still around. She's kicking. Um, <laughs> b- pets are fantastic. I don't own them for very specific reasons, <laughs> including the fact that I just like, I'm, I'm never home. I travel a lot. Mm. Those yeah. Um, and the only plant I've ever successfully nurtured to wellness was a chia pet. And it only took, <laughs> it took a week and that was it for me. I was done after. <laughs> so anyway, um, pets apparently have a lot of fantastic health benefits and I'm looking at the research Noelle has done on it. So I'm going to hand you over to Noelle. Okay. So uh, yeah. So why I found this kind of interesting is because we hear all these headlines that like pets are so beneficial for your health. And it's true. There is some truth in that, but um, there are some, just some other sidebars that are really interesting and the research is not conclusive and it's because everything is situational. Um, But I'll get into that in a second. So research on human animal interactions Still relatively new. Some studies have shown these really positive health effects. I think that's why we kind of, I mean, you know, people love a good headline. And and a a headline that says a dog will add 10 years to your life, like that's a good headline, right? We all, especially if you're a dog owner, you're going to be like, share, this is really important. Look, you should all get a dog, which I get it. Dogs are awesome. You know, I grew up with pets. I always had dogs, had two dogs now. Um. But the research has been mixed, and this is because it's nearly impossible to conduct the gold standard of studies. For example, you cannot do a randomized controlled trial where the researchers control all factors and then randomly assign pets to people um, to test groups. It's just not possible. So we know a lot of uh, can vary according to the pet that you have, too, like is your stress and anxiety reduced or heightened, um, you know, with a lab, a brand new lab puppy, maybe a lab that is ruining your furniture and driving you nuts with A, B, and C thing? Or do you have like a small dog that's a lap dog that doesn't really, you know, bark a ton and it's like just follows you around? Like, you know, there's a lot of variance between pets too. So um, the other major thing that I think is why the some of the research is mixed is you can't if you can't provide properly for your pet like if you love your dog or you have a cat but you can't you see that they have problems and you can't necessarily provide for that or fix your dog's problems or your pet's problems um it actually may be a cause of more stress and anxiety for you so all of that being said many studies do decrease uh, st- many studies do show that there's a decrease in anxiety and improved mood with pet pets there was an analysis in 2019. Now, this was, again, an analysis. It was not a research study. It wasn't like, here, let's let's look at control groups. But it was analysis of 4 million people. This crossed the United States, Canada, Scandinavia, New Zealand, Australia, and the United Kingdom. They found that dog ownership was associated with a 24% reduction in dying from any cause. That's the one that made huge headlines. If a person had already suffered a heart attack or a stroke, having a dog was even more beneficial. They were 31% less likely to die from cardiovascular disease, um, which I found super interesting. And there's a lot, like I kept reading a lot more into just these kind of random analysis of pets and ownerships, specifically when it comes to heart disease. And it was like time and time again, dogs are great for heart, like reducing our risk of heart disease and stroke. Um, I think one of the things that critics are kind of like, they look at this with a side eye is because they don't know if it's the dog's presence that is causing this, or if it's because having a dog, having a pet usually makes you get up and have to go play with that pet and walk that pet. So most people, especially dog owners, are walking dogs. And so do we see a a big decreased risk in heart disease because you're walking more or is it because of the presence? And I honestly think it's probably a little bit of both because, you know, 
interacting with animals is like it does show that you have decreased levels of cortisol. That's a stress hormone. We know stress can impact all disease, including heart disease. Um, it does lower br- blood pressure when you're interacting with a pet. Um, other studies have found that animals can reduce loneliness, increase feelings of social support, and boost your mood. So we know that isolation and loneliness is detrimental to health. Um, and so I think having a dog kind of connects you with maybe more people. You might be out at dog parks. Um, you're you're connecting with your animal and you're also walking that pet more. You're you're getting up to engage and take care of that pet. So I think that it can make a huge difference. Um, Obviously, not in all cases. And obviously, when you end up losing a pet, that will temporarily temporarily not incre- increase your mood. But overall, I I would say I would err on the side of more beneficial than not. One of the things that I wanted to look into more and what I was so excited about was the pet pets and the microbiome. I had heard about this research a while ago that showed that you have a more diverse gut microbiome when you have a pet. So I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. I dove into that a little bit more. Research from the 1980s actually demonstrated that pets and their owners share common intestinal bacteria. Studies actually were done in infants and young children that showed that early life exposure to household furry pets increased richness and diversity of the human gut gut microbiome. Exposure, this is the most interesting part for me. So Early, It said early life, this is in quotations, I'm reading straight from the research, early life exposure to household pets has the capacity to reduce risk for overweight and allergic disease, especially following cesarean delivery. Since there is some evidence that pets also alter the gut uh, microbiome composition of infants, changes to the gut microbiome are putative pathways by which pet exposure can reduce these risks to health. So... Gut microbiome of infants at three to four months following birth, various birth scenarios, whether it was cesarean or vaginal birth, their gut microbiome was improved. And it does talk about how it it detailed more about how there was beneficial bacteria that increased and then bad bacteria, specifically strep, oddly enough, was reduced when there was a presence of pets. This was both prenatal and postnatal exposure. So babies exposed to pets during pregnancy, still in utero, benefited from having a pet around mom, which is cr- like, and and in some of the cases, the child's exposure was only during pregnancy, not even after they had been born because something happened to the pet. So they were saying like 9% of cases, we saw this beneficial increase in gut microbiome, you know, diversity with babies, even if they were born and the pet wasn't there anymore. This is just just nuts. So I do think that that is something interesting to consider. Um, and, you know, you, <laughs> I think about this a lot. I'm like, oh, stop licking me. Like, where has your mouth been, right? Because dogs are kind of gross sometimes and they're outside and eating dirt and who knows what else. But, you know, at the same time, they're outside in the dirt. They're outside in the grass. And we know that soil is rich in a lot of organisms. And so it just kind of increases our exposure to some of those other things, to diversity. Um, So I would say, you know, it's pretty cool what pets do for our mood, but also they get us up and active and and doing more. They get us potentially out more in the community and um, potentially improve our immunity. So. That's what I got. Does That's this make nuts. you want a pet? Um, yeah, a little bit. I but I can't. Yeah, I know. And and that's fine because I, you know, it's fine. There are there are lots of sources of these things, and I'm always working on growing them. You know, <laughs> so, you could get it. You could get like a hamster. I that wouldn't. I don't think. I don't know how much that would do for my oxytocin. You know what I mean? Like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, a small rat, probably. Not. Yeah, and I'm so fussy about my sleep and stuff, and yeah, so it's okay. Maybe, maybe in a few decades it'll be. Tough. Yeah, no, there's st- certainly there's certainly pets that I would want in my life and not want in my life. Um, but I've always been a pet person. I had fish. I had a rabbit. I desperately wanted a hamster, but now I get it because I like you know I see those hamsters running around. And I'm like, no, thank you. Don't want that in my no house way now. To- the way their cages smell. Oh yeah. my gosh. 
Yeah, you would love that. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's all we got for today. Do you have anything else to add, Steph? No. Okay, for more from stephaniehealthempower.com or at stephanie.ruper on Instagram when she wants to be there. More from me, coconutsandcuddleballs.com. Thanks for being here, guys. We will talk to you next week. Bye.